Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Welcome to today's Indie Game Business. I'm Indy, and your host is Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting. We would like to thank Tripwire Presents for sponsoring the show. Thank you so much. Today's guest is Caleb Smith from Triangle Esports Academy. And today we are discussing how successful education in esports can lead to more successful indie developers. So take it away, Caleb. Let's hear a little bit more about you. Games can't really take you know you anywhere you can't you know go and make money off of that etc at least i thought that back then which you could back then not as much as you can now and so i was like well you know i'm really good at soccer i think i was on 12 or 13 years old i said i'm gonna pick that and go with that and you know i played worked hard at the sport and then end up after graduating from high school i went overseas to germany and i played soccer there for a few years and then while i was over there so i knew what esports was but I learned how big it was, you know, I just, you know, start saw some stuff on like YouTube and then started watching Twitch and then realized how massive, how big of an industry esports was. And so I was like, wow, this is great. You know, I really wanted to, you know, get in this industry. And so I pretty much was looking around doing research, you know, for different in ways. How can I get into the esports industry? And then finally I came across you know the idea. It was about like six months of searching, or five, six months of searching about, you know, esports gaming centers and how those were. And so, you know, it was a place people went to play games, they had tournaments, you know, and I was like, Oh, you know, that's pretty cool. That's interest. That's like the grassroots level. And I just thought back to sports. I was like, hey, you know, sports did let's for soccer, there was like a clear defined path on how you go, you know, start playing recreation and then you play, you know, for like a more competitive type team, you have your travel teams, and then now there's so many different types of leagues in advance, and then you just get coaching on the side, like you need to do private training, you do group training. And so I was like, Well, let's see how we could take that and implement that within esports. And so and then you know Obviously, most gamers aren't going to, you know, become professionals. And then that's what actually led us to our current business model. But, you know, we started, that was actually something that was more so of a side part of the business. And the reason for that was, you know, the gaming center model was so strong. We was like, oh, let's just, you know, have it for additional revenue. But then, you know, something that never happened before, you know, within anyone that was alive century was, you know, COVID. And so, you know, it was a global pandemic and the business struggled a lot when we first opened. And the reason for the struggle was, you know, the business model wasn't sustainable for, you know, really anyone in the industry, you know, because it involved people coming and being in person. You know, gamers are very COVID cautious. We didn't have any like parties or larger events go on because anyone I wanted to do a party said, oh, we can only get three, four kids together. Parents still don't want their kids coming out. It was very challenging to market, you know, especially, I mean, people weren't looking for stuff to do, you know, people weren't really going out. And so then 
I was just stuck. I was like, okay, what is it, you know, that people want? And, you know, I said, we start off with it, the whole coaching aspect being a side part of the business. And so we realized that's what the real thing was because there was enough people still coming out, you know, like those like the individual people. Like I was one of those, you know, I still was, had no issue going out to places. Other people, they, you know, were more cautious about it and didn't want to go out. But the people I was like, that do want to come out, you know, let's offer something for them. So, you know, they came out as a way to socialize, be with other people. And then, and, you know, we did that, that business model was working and doing well. And then summer comes along. And when summer comes along, we was like, hey, let's do, you know, some different camps. We went over ideas. You know, it's like, oh, let's do like, you know, sort of STEM camp. It was mostly Minecraft and Scratch. Now we've added more to the program. And then we did those. And those just blew up. And then, and, you know, those continue to do well. And then even after summer, it dropped off. Uh, we still did some tracker. But what I came to learn was that there was a more a higher demand for the educational side of esports than it was actually for like the entertainment and competitive side. So that's what we decided, you know, to focus on. And then, you know, I'm a huge advocate for education. And then, you know, there's pros and cons to our school system. I know I've, a lot of those, you know, meetings I've been going to, there's a lot of cons when and talk about it. And, you know, my, the biggest thing I have about it is that there's the lack of innovation because, you know, school I think is great for teaching you know the reading writing math basic subjects but then when you get into technology that's an industry that's just boom you know 10 years ago I went into high school and I had a flip phone and then now you know you know we have kids going to high school have like these you know super high-tech iPhones and so the whole thing with it the business we saw that there was a lack of you know, innovation, you know, and, you know, we'll also over everywhere and these skills weren't being taught. And so what we focus on mostly uh, our niche is video game design and IT. Because when you take those two, one of the great skills to have just to know how computers and software works, I've learned so much just from working here that are very valuable skills. And then and within video game design, because, you know, making video games is great, great career path for someone to have. And the business model is now structured around education. Like, you know, we still do have like, you know, Fortnite teams and and uh, different workshops around gaming, and, but we really focus on, you know, the camps after school portion, birthday parties as well, but you know, that's still entertainment. And so within those, what we do, we find things that you know, a new and innovative, something that, you know, kids may or may not have experienced before. You know, a lot of them to say that, oh, yeah, we've done some Minecraft, some Scratch, you know, in school. And then, but I think it's like, okay, let's help them continue on with that. Let's help them progress with what they were currently doing. And so w- with that, uh, helping them continue to, you know, progress and gain skills and then it was really geared towards elementary and middle schoolers at the start and then when it was okay so then we took that like okay now you know we've been in business two years for next month for two years and so like okay you know now people are starting to get older we need to offer something for you know the high school age and we do that and by offering things for the high school age 
that's when things more experienced come in. Like we could teach video game design through Unreal Engine or Unity. You know, we've been talking about doing things on Blender and even have more advanced hands-on and type of class or curriculum around the IT field, still figuring out what all that's going to look like. But that's where our next goal and mission is within that. And so that's where the business is. That's where it's really been modeled behind with the education. And then we are heavily community involved. So we're not, we're not just this one brick and mortar location. We're actually, you know, looking to work with the community. So we work with the schools a lot. You know, we work with Wake Ed Partnership over the summer, also with District C. We host interns from the Wake County Public School System. We, you know, I regularly serve on different business alliances, do speeches from schools. We'll host, you know, different field trips. And with lots of different types of organizations, it could be nonprofits, it could be schools, it could be different municipalities. And that's where our business model has is grown and been built around. And so what I'll do real quick is take you on a quick tour of the facilities to see, you know, what it looks like, what we have going on. Okay, there we go. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually took my mic out instead of my power cord. All right. And so what we have here, let me know if this doesn't look clear on the screen. You're getting a little glare, but you're 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 fine. All of our stations out here in this main area. And this is where we'll host, you know, pretty much everything. Our camps at the school programs. And then we actually have two party rooms in the back that we use for the birthday parties, which I'm walking to right now. But right, so here's my, my first question, because this is a lot. Where where did the financing? Did you go out and get investors to do this? Is this like your money? Who so yeah, brought all of this? And that's one of the party rooms that there. Yeah. So um I took out well, not really took out loan, but my dad and I are in business together. And so now I approached to him with the whole idea. And then he was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, really start out being just me and you know, the business working, operating. And then since it started doing, you know, really well, he's gotten more involved. And our goal is to be opening up more centers, looking to do, be able to take our services online, and really continue to, you know, progress what we currently have going on. So, I mean, this is all extremely interesting from a variety of different angles. One, obviously, what we do here is very much on the education side of the industry, because basically, you know, we started doing this because nobody teaches developers about business. Esports is another piece of that because there's still a lot of people in the industry who see a bit of a chasm between the actual indie game developers and, and game developers in general and then the esports scene we see a whole lot of investment going into that a whole lot of you know money and exposure coming into that and then still a little bit on the game dev side but there are still a lot of people who look at it as two completely different sides and so the fact that you are you know starting this education especially at a a young age and bringing people up that way that's got interesting benefits to the industry in general because i think as long as people understand some basics of how this stuff works 
then they're going to be better off in the end. Are you seeing more students come in and they want to be esports athletes? They want to be content creators or they want to be game developers? So, I mean, every kid, you know, wants to be a professional, you know, gamer like so when it be an esports pro and all that and then they usually phase out that you know everybody when they're younger they want to be like a professional athlete or astronaut wherever you know they phase out of that so really i would say it most don't actually have a clue you know it's usually <laughs> their moms the ones signing them up and you know they're like it about kids are usually eight to twelve years old like we those that's like the main age that we get right now and then it's like they like playing Minecraft. So the mom signs them up. They come here, learn stuff. They have a lot of fun. I'm not really sure if they're thinking too much about that. I can tell you when we first started, it was a lot of people that wanted to be, you know, competitive gamers because that's where our business model was focused on. But since we've changed it to more of the education answers is geared towards elementary and middle schoolers, we have had some people come through and say that they want to develop games, which they're usually on the older age, like around 12 to 14. So I would say it's around, you know, in the game development, video game design, you know, as opposed to, you know, the other things that you mentioned. So, I mean, and one of the things that we constantly talk about is that there is no like normal path to a job in this industry, at least that worked for me 25 years ago. And for, a lot of the roles in the industry, they're still not. But are you seeing more of a concrete path, you know, for students that once they get to high school or whatever and they decide, okay, yes, I want to go into esports? Are you seeing different, you know, classes in college or curriculums or pathways to for those students to go into the esports side, whether as a player or on the broadcast analytics side? So, and within mentioning the college, we do, we have hosted numerous interns from William Peace. I know they have a game design simulation program. They actually work with Wake Tech. Wake Tech, I heard, had a, have a really good game design simulation in, um, degree as well. And so I, there is like those career paths. What the issue is that comes in, I know, because something you take cybersecurity, I mean, it is impossible to not be able to get a job in cybersecurity if you know what you're doing. And But the thing is, I was wondering why so many people don't go into those career fields. And I've had teachers and other parents, they said that like high schools, they have no idea that's a career path. And so they say, because I think back when I was in school, it was all, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, teacher, uh, what else? You may have like scientist or something like that. But, you know, they, they don't really expose you to, you know, that many career paths. You know, until I saw the movie The Wolf of Wall Street when I was 16 years old, I honestly thought a stockbroker was someone that went broke from trading stock. <laughs> they said stock is stockbroker. And I see that that is like what I mentioned about one of the issues with the school system. That, and it's actually, it actually has been changed. Like the teachers, superintendents, all have been talking about it, that, you know, there was this, it seems to be this one path for the high school, four-year degree. And then like, there's like, it seemed like there was like just these six career paths, you know, that really somebody could follow. And then it's like, you were shamed. It's like, oh, you know, I'm an electrician making $120,000 a year. Oh, shame on you for not going to college and, and all that. So, and it's actually changing 
you know, from that. And so, really, that's what we look to do to expose and show that there are these different career paths. I'm glad that the school system now is starting to realize that and said, oh, not everybody needs a four-year degree. So the paths are going to be a four-year degree. Obviously, like something like the medical field, you know, there's really no way around that. But it's like, you know, there's the four-year degree option. There's a two-year degree. There's, um, you know, community college certifications. And there's, you know, just going straight into the workforce or apprenticeship types. And so, you know, we're moving from that a lot. And then, but within the college scene, I mean, as far as like broadcasting and other things like that, I ha- I personally haven't heard of anything, not to say that there isn't anything out there, there, but I haven't heard of much, which I would assume it's more so like, they don't just call it a broadcaster degree. I would assume it would be more something around like film or, you know, like video creation, some type of degree around um, that where they teach you everything, you know, from filming it to, you know, putting out there, using on different platforms, cutting, editing, you know, different type of scenes and backgrounds. So I would assume that, you know, there is something. And then, you know, the part goes to, do you actually need, because, you know, now YouTube and Google are extremely valuable resources. I love using those resources and that people can learn. So it's like, does somebody actually need to? And now the main thing is somebody needs to be exposed to the career and people have to be able to self-educate because if you can't self-educate, no matter how much free stuff there is, you know, out there, you're not going to actually be able to, you know, learn it. The, the 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 broadcast stuff that I have seen, and there may be a couple of, colleges and universities down in Florida that do it, but especially it's out of LA. It's like UCLA. And oh, so okay. it's, it's stu- schools that are like traditionally in the movie and the broadcast and the film stuff. And now they're starting to see more and more of it on, on this way. And I think it's very interesting that we've had an industry now for 40 years and still just get like tiny, tiny, incentives into you know people at the university level taking this link seriously and then like esports comes along and all of a sudden everybody you start seeing it ramp up and it's not a direct correlation but it's certainly you know the more visibility that the industry gets via the esports industry the more you're going to see these companies you know come up and and i've got good friends over at wake tech i can i can vouch for them they have one of the not only best degrees but like oldest i mean they've been doing that for i think close to 15 20 years now you know oh wow and and that was originally designed by folks at red storm and and a lot of the other studios that are there in that raleigh general area but it's one of those things that they're still so much stigma that goes along with it and and you're right it's like they don't know we have real jobs. And I get that even, you know, today, especially like when I'm at my kid's school or I'm meeting other parents and they're like, so what do you do? And I tell them I'm a consultant for video game developers. And they look at me like I have three heads and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's a, that's a real job. That's a real thing. And, but I hadn't thought about it in that way of, you know, they don't, these schools don't realize that this is an actual honest to God career path. And so they're not teaching anything about it because I mean, it was one of the very first things that I noticed when my son started school in kindergarten, first grade, because you're right. Like we were growing up, it was like, what do you want to be? Well, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an astronaut, policeman, fireman, whatever. 
and now they're all like, I want to be YouTubers. <laughs> like, it's just not yeah. quite that easy. But it is seeing a lot more, you know, recognition and, and therefore it's being taught a little more along the way. So I'm very interested to see, you know, when it comes to the education side of it, are you all focusing mainly on that programming side or are you looking to expose the you know the kids and the students to hey look you don't have to just be a programmer you can be a artist you can be a business person because right now a lot of everything i see is like come to our university and we'll give you a game design degree and they're not worth anything but are you seeing a little more you know openness and options and say hey look there's different things that you can do within games there is and then that's one thing that i really like to mention and so let's let you know when they're younger it's all about getting them in you know meeting them with an app they like playing minecraft and roblox and okay let's take those games let's use them to teach educational things let's you know like we have like we use pixel art for some animation oh yeah let's teach them how to make different characters their own animation films then as they get closer towards you know the high school a lot of times they'll start to take an interest in something specific so like i mentioned and uh, we focus on IT, and then we're still figuring out what that means. I'm pretty sure cybersecurity is going to be part of it, but IT can mean a hundred different things. And then video game designs, another that we focus on. And business and entrepreneurship is one of those things, actually, that we focus on. And so we do that through, well, one, just working in there. You know, you get you know experience. You get to you know learn about the business. I mean, it's one of those places where... It, just a regular staff member, they actually see more things business related happen than you would if you were working in like a restaurant or retail place. Typically, you know, I worked at a you know a restaurant, a warehouse, you know, I never saw anything, you know, business related take place at, you know, what at the either of those jobs. But then here, you know, staff they regularly get to see it. Most of them have no interest in it. But there are, you know, some interns that we get that will have interest in in that. And so from the video game design side, you know, I mentioned the high school programs just now, something that we're getting into. And what I used to tell people before was, we're not the place, you know, if you're looking for something advanced. We're soon, we're going to be that in the future. Our whole job is to get everyone interested in it. And then once they're interested, then we said, okay, you want to do video game design, you can go to this place. Oh, you want to do cybersecurity, go to that place. Then when we started noticing was, oh, shoot, there's very few places that we can actually recommend for them to go to that I actually trust and, you know, you credible. And so then I was like, we need to start, you know, adding you know, our own, you know, programs geared towards like the 12 plus years old range and so that they're able to continue on with that type of education. And then really our end goal in the future is looking at, you know, going to specific companies. You know, most indie game developers, I would guess, this would be like, can you do it or can you not? You know, there may be some larger companies like Riot or Activision Blizzard that actually want you to have, you know, that four-year degree. And then, but or they may not. I know that's actually changing, you know, for a lot of companies. And so, and, and the goal in the future would actually be to help them, you know, find that career path. So, say, what is it that, you know, you want to do? You know, what are you interested in? Do you want to be make your own games? Do you want to work for a large company? Help let us figure that out so that we can help you, you know, find the right career path. 
So it's, I had to Google this up while you were talking because I've got a good friend of mine who is a high school principal down in, in Greensboro, like halfway between me and you, basically. And he had said a couple months ago, he said, they're opening a new magnet school here, like K-12, that's going to be for gaming. And I was like, wait, what? Because this is a very like conservative somewhat rural area of North Carolina. And the fact that, you know, the school system was going to go in and say, we're going to build a school specifically focused to teaching gaming and robotics. I was a little confused to be blunt, but they are, I just Googled it up. And so they are building a school. It's going to basically be from fifth to 12th grade. That's going to expose kids to all sorts of things, not just in gaming robotics as well, but gaming is a part of it instead of so much of this other stuff that we see it's like okay here you can get your computer science degree or your programming degree and if you want to do gaming with it that's one thing but here they're actually focusing on it and i think part of this is coming from as much as i hate to say it the the money side of the industry because you know wake tech's been doing their thing for a very long time nc states had a program for a very long time but now you're starting to see a lot of the other colleges and universities you know high point university which is one of the most expensive private universities in the country they have a game design thing now and so the more that these colleges and universities start to adopt this the more it's forcing the elementary middle school high school groups to start looking at it as well and saying, okay, maybe this is something we need to start being prepared for and, and looking into because it hasn't gotten a lot of interest, you know, up to this point or a lot of it. We're not taken seriously in this industry until, you know, probably the last 10 years. So it is changing. It's just a matter of seeing, okay, so what are they going to teach? You know, is it one of these things where they're going to go in and they're just going to teach the design aspect of the programming or are they going to open up these options and show, you know, students, there's a whole lot you can do in games, even if you're like me and you can't program and you can't draw. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I know as well, what we like to talk about is like I was doing, we did an animation lesson for a nonprofit a couple of weeks ago. And I was saying to them, I was like, all right, you know, yeah, there's animations in games, but I was also think about, you know, the Geico commercial with the Geico Gecko and all the different things. I was like, that's the animation. They're an insurance company, but they have somebody on the, either they outsource it or have somebody internally on their team that they pay to create those commercials for them. And so, and that's where gaming can actually lead to. So I think that people oftentimes think a little too narrow of, oh, it's game, it's video games. That's the only thing you're going to be able to take your career path and do, which is not true. You know, even like when they talk about sound, you know, that can be used in different movies, films, you know, those special effects. So when it's actually explained how these career paths, you know, how these skills can be used in different careers. And that's one thing with the esports. And that's why people really like it. it's not about esports or gaming or anything like that. They said kids love video games. If we're able to take that and get them interested in tech careers, that's what they love. Because, you know, there's a shortage of people, you know, in these tech careers. And, you know, when they talk about, you know, well, money is well, the reason why, you know, doctor and lawyer, like everyone wanted to be that was because they used to make a whole lot of money. And then now it, it's it been good. They're not making as much. And what it costs to get that degree and the time it takes 
is not worth it for the money that they make anymore. So people really don't have, you know, as much passion for those career paths anymore. And they're looking into, you know, more, especially like people my generation look into things that they're more passionate about, that they would actually enjoy doing. And as well, you know, you mentioned the robotics. And so a thing that a lot of people don't know, you know, I like tech, I like investing in different tech companies. And some of the companies I've been looking at, you know, you know, I've seen like a security robot one. That was one invested in many years back. They actually had an IPO. And then there's other ones, like there's this robotic arm for, you know, in the kitchen. I think, you know, like they closed deals with like White Castle and other places. And they talk about how it reduces, you know, overhead by having that robotic arm there and helps you increase your profits. And then there's this pizza maker. I heard it's like, makes this i've seen multiple pizza makers you person so i you just walk up type in your order pay for it three minutes if your pizza's made and so ooh, that's you know phenomenal and i feel like that's really what's going to be going because you know right now these small businesses you know especially in restaurant uh, it's, they're having this shortage of being able to find people and this will help fix that issue by having the robots and i know people all the time are saying, oh robots are taking jobs and things like that well, I disagree with that because, you know, you talk about, oh, yeah, this one robotic machine, you know, is taking jobs. I'm like, okay, someone that's also creating a job because someone has to work on that robot. And the person who's getting paid to work on the robot is making, you know, a whole lot more than the person that was, you know, just in the pizza place or was the security person at the old spot. So, and technology is great, you know, with the, things that, you know, we can do with it now and how, you know, it used to be, we used to not be able to talk to each other, you know, being, I mean, probably like 25 years ago, we couldn't have talked to each other, you know, online, at least not with this great connection and not recording a podcast or anything, but now we're able to do that. So those are the great things about technology and it's really enhancing and advancing society. And so I think that's what gaming needs to be looked at that it's something like this is the future and these tools and skills are going to be taken and used utilized in a whole lot of different industries and it's not just this you know random thing of a useless waste of time unimportant it, Caleb one you don't need to remind me about how old I am that you know yes when when I started doing this we had to literally fax contracts back and forth with man you know, writing that on them we rough. don't need to go into into that level of detail But I mean, you bring you, you touch on something that that I agree with wholeheartedly. It's like you know there are you know robots going into these other jobs, and yes, yeah, somebody's going to have to do it. And the other side of it is we're still seeing you know this stigma coming out of the pandemic. And I saw it last night. One of like article about one of our local restaurants have been in business for seventy five years, and they're they're going to have to close because they can't get workers. And and the woman said people just don't want to work now. And I'm like no. They do. They just don't want to work for you. That's the difference. It's like, you know, there was a lot of pressure, you know, with my generation growing up. It's like, you have to go to college. You have to get a four-year degree. That's the only way you're ever going to be successful. And it's a load of shit. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. if, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, yes. 
but still in this industry, you know, unless you're going to go into something like data science or something super, super specific, it's not always required. This is very much an industry of show us what you can do versus what you have a piece of paper saying that you can do. And a lot of the technology growth has allowed people, you know, to start focusing on let's do things that we want to do with our career versus having that job because we have to do it. And, and we're going to see more options and opening up like this. So the more that we can do to evangelize all the different options that are out there in game development and help set people up to succeed with it, the better off we're going to be for, for all of us. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I mean, I know I personally as well, you know, talk about, oh, was criticized by a lot of people for not going to college. And I know even people that work at colleges and universities I've talked to and they was asking, like, so where'd you go to college? Go, oh, I never went. Like, well, when are you going to go and stuff? I'm just like, never. And so, you know, some of them still can't, you know, get that, you know, across that, you know, not everyone needs, you know, to go to college. And, and you know, I, I do see a shift, you know, that's starting to happen. And then I feel like esports is helping out a lot with, with that. And the reason why is because, you know, video games have always existed. And then, but when you start talking about, you know, degrees around esports and competitive teams and people making money, and then, you know, the biggest, you know, battle that, you know, parents, has a, you can't make any money playing video games and that's not gonna you know put food on the table and stuff like that well now they can't really say that and it's forcing people to take a step back and look at it and i mean in the past couple of years like i have seen a huge change in esports you know with people becoming more accepting of it has that happened you see like in the video game and like the design industry or no is it still where people are against it so the the stat that I always like to throw out to other parents when they start, you know, rolling their eyes when they say what we do and, you know, careers in video games and, and esports in general. I like to point out that, you know, several years ago, obviously pre-pandemic, pre uh, when, when Buka won the Fortnite World Championship, he got more money from that than Tiger Woods got from winning the Masters that year. And it's yeah. like, when you start putting it into that correlation and it's one of those that's, oh, wait, that's a real thing. It's like, I'm okay if my kid goes to college to be a professional golfer. That makes perfect sense. You can make plenty of money doing that. They don't see the same kind of career path. The problem becomes, and this is where the education has got to go back into it as well. People look at it and it's like, oh, well, that's easy. You just sit down and play Fortnite for, you know, a lot. And then you'll be really good at it and you can win a world championship. And it's not the same. And I see a lot of the kids are like, oh, well, I'm just going to be a YouTuber. And it's like, well, yes, you can put content on, on YouTube or, or Twitch or, or wherever you want to put it. It doesn't mean you're going to be successful at it. You still need Why should to someone watch it. Yeah, it's like, exactly what you do. Why should Bing. someone contract you out? You know, it's funny. Why should someone come and pay us to, you know, teach the, for, for a camp and teach their kid, you know, certain stuff. It's always. Why should someone, it's like, yeah, if you put out, why should I watch your YouTube channel? What is there on there that incentivizes me to want to see what you, what content you have out there? So, I mean, is that some of the stuff that y'all go into as well? It's like, not only can you do the content, but 
this is the other side of this that you may never see in the terms of marketing, making your channel stand out, that sort of stuff. A little bit. So we have done some like streaming and content creation type of workshops and courses as and something we're looking to get into a little bit more. And the main thing, you know, I really say is about the whole focus because, you know, it there's so much that we could do and but if you try to do too much in business none of it's going to actually work and so but that is you know a valuable tool and that, that is something and it's about personal brand building which is extremely important i think that's the most important thing that content creation and can teach and then also from teaching that you know knowing what type of brand does someone specifically want to build and so it could be you know within a business you know, okay, what am I looking to accomplish? You know, for instance, one thing that we do here, you know, the people they had initially or different organizations we talked to said, we don't have any way of getting the kids to you. So we said, okay, we got gaming laptops. So we actually go out to, you know, other places and we can run our programs out from there. And so the personal brand building and that one, having a brick and mortar location does help with that, but just, you know, getting out and about, you know, making yourself a credible person works and i assume that you know it's the same thing for you you have to show your credibility and what you've done and so it's for some people you know warren buffett you know which is a kind of a wild example he's not really someone that needs to have his own social media channels you know in order for someone to listen to any advice that he may give but then you know someone like you see gary vanichuk or patrick bet david you know who they kind of were you know putting content out, you know, Patrick Dave was already a very successful entrepreneur with the insurance company. And then, you know, it was from the YouTube channel where he actually got his popularity and that actually helped boost his insurance agency because people are like, oh, wow, I want to be an agent at the company, you know, that he owns. And so, and if someone's a YouTuber, it's like, okay, how do you get your people to watch it? Yeah, your friends or whatever may watch it, but what do you put out there that other people want to watch? And you actually gave me a really good idea because I never thought about the marketing act type side. I've only thought about the actual, you know, streaming and content side, but that could be a great addition to our entrepreneurship program. It's one of the things that, that we focus with developers on. And so this is, this is what we're going to get into, you know, overall today. It's like, you kind of have to teach kids what they want to learn sometimes. You know, yeah. there's not that many of them going to be coming in, in middle school and high school when they need to start building this foundation for an education in our industry. And they're not going to come in and go, I want to be a marketing rep because that's just not their initial thought. But by walking through them and saying, Hey, look, we know you want to be a YouTuber. You want to be in esports, but here are these other aspects of being successful in it that you have to keep in mind. And so if you're teaching that, that brand building, that that marketing side, that personal accountability side, whether they end up going into esports or another part of the industry in general, that is all going to convey over and they're going to continue doing it. And it's one of the things that, you know, the biggest mistake I see a lot of developers making is, you know, they don't really think about that community building and that marketing side until you know the end it's like i was in germany last week at gamescom and one of the developers pitched us a game and they had like the community building and marketing aspect of the development taking place the month or two before 
the launch. And I said, no, you need to move that over to the beginning because you've got to have something going all the way through. So whether it's in esports or development or broadcasting or whatever, having this foundation is extremely important if this industry is going to continue to grow and this next wave of developers coming through is going to be set up for success. Oh yeah, most definitely. And that is actually why, you know, I was talking about earlier about the self-education because there's so many courses out there, you know, Udemy has courses, you know, at, you know, a very reasonable price out there. And I said, there's plenty of stuff out there on YouTube to look at as well. And so it's an, okay, you know, you want to do something, how can you learn that? You know, with just then being in business, I mean, I didn't go out and pay $5,000, you know, a month to some consultant, you know, for business. It was with, okay, YouTube, you know, different books, meeting, talking with different people, and they, you know, asking different questions. And then whenever having like a certain issue, be like, okay, go ask somebody a question, you know, watch a video on it, read a book on it to really be able to learn, you know, those specific skills. And I think that's what's most valuable because I see that, you know, in our business, anytime you ever do something innovative, it's like, you know, you have these very skilled, talented people, but they can't figure out how to, you know, do new and different things. You know, if they don't already know how to do something, you propose something, you know, that's different, like, well, how do I do that? And so I think by being able to, you know, adapt and evolve to keep up, you know, with what's going on. Because as you know, video games have changed a lot, you know, in the 21st century. And then I know one time, like whenever my friends, you know, we were there playing like Madden and FIFA and all the adults still like, that looks real. Like it's a, you know, game on TV. And so, you know, and they were talking about, yeah, we had stick figures and these terrible graphics and all that. And so really things have changed a lot and just having the skills to be able to keep up with those changes that are being made. So what was the biggest revelation shot to you when you started your, your academy, your group? What, what was the biggest thing that came in and you were like, I was not expecting to have to learn this? I mean, I wouldn't say it was something I had to learn. It was more so what I didn't realize I grossly underestimated people's lack of knowledge in the esports industry. And by that, I mean, you know, esports actually blew up during the pandemic, you know, from the professional scene. And then, you know, CSGO, I think ESL CSGO just set some world record. There were like all these, you know, events like happening online, breaking records, et cetera. I mean, and it was phenomenal. Esports was blowing up. I know esports, one esports company that I won't mention, and but they were talking about, and I was asking, was like, well, was the company profitable or anything? He said, no, he said they weren't. And then once COVID hit, he said, then we started doing extremely well. And then once, you know, stuff started opening up, we saw the drop in it because people were going out places. And then he said, what then we sold, you know, right as that started happening. So then, you know, we were, you know, out in the clear, but then, but, you know, that's what was going on. And then people had no idea. I was like, this college scholarship was like, really? I said, yeah, it's a professional team, six, seven figure contract. And the thing is, you know, so many parents, you know, they said, oh, well, my child told me that, but I said, they were 13 years old. I thought they were just lying and making stuff up. And they said that people, you know, made money playing video games. And so that's why I realized how challenging it was. And I mean, that took a lot of effort 
educating and teaching people, you know, what's esports, what goes on in the industry, you know, it's actually career path. How do you get to the, you know, professional scenes things or, you know, just overall how we use esports, you know, for education. And by being able to do that, that's why I go back to a personal brand. My whole, I pretty much built this personal brand. And all it was was on educating people what this industry was because, you know, without people knowing it, they would have just heard it. They would be like, what? Like, what kind of sports, huh? Like, I'm, I mean, me personally, I see something. I mean, I may look it up. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But, you know, if I see esports, oh, competitive video game. Okay, cool, whatever. I mean, there's a competitive everything. But, I mean, like, there's competitive cornhole. But very few people know <laughs> the, American, the American Cornhole League has a half a million dollar prize pool. So people are like, what, really? I'm like, yeah. And so, you know, I just have, it just happened to be on TV one day, ESPN, after I watched something else. But those are things that people don't actually know, don't, you know, realize. And so I was just like, man, this is going to be a struggle with, you know, having to get on, tell people what esports is. But the great thing is I built up such a great personal brand, you know, in this area that, you know, whenever, you know, esports is mentioned, I'm in, you know, the conversation of it. When you were in Germany, did you get the chance to get take part or see the farming simulator competitive esports leagues? I did not. So I actually didn't hear about that oh until like God. last year. But yeah, I mean, I just saw something the other day. There was like this um, esports Excel, like on Microsoft Excel, like some championship around that. I'm like, doing what? And so it's just wild how like online chess, you know, became an esports. Which that wasn't that much of a surprise to me. But, you know, when talking about oh, um, like Excel, I'm like, they seriously have competitions for Excel? I'm like, this is wild. And so, you know, even now I'm getting into like, you know, there's all this stuff on like the multiverse, the metaverse, and 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 that you know, which a lot of people still don't know what that is. But one thing that I was you know looking at as well was sports tech, and you know how that's pretty much well, sports technology is what it stands for. But you know, using AR and VR, and you know, it's pretty cool how they're now taking making you know cool sports. You know, like you know, back in school we would make up our own different games at recess or whatever but it's like well you get to like live those real like you actually get to fly you get to do all those other type of things all right we've got questions coming in so all right okay dan's in charge all right so we've got a Fortnite team of four people and want to start doing online competitions how can people break into esports yeah great question so when you are uh, it depends on the age. So if you're under the age of 18, then there's a lot. So there's like Play Versus, which I know is a high school, has high school leagues. And there's a lot of different leagues out there for people under 18. If you're over 18, there's a lot of online, you know, tournaments to play in. And then, but the main ones are, if you really get against the are actually on epic so you know whenever you play like when you go and look at the different game modes it will show you all the tournaments i know i think it starts tomorrow but there's like three different days like there's some solos tournament going on there's always different types of tournaments going on. i mean the big ones like you know fncs cash cup those but there's always like some i mean some of them are just bragging rights tournaments that are out there all right and so a follow-up question from the train the training side of it 
we are seeing a lot of these esports teams one they're shoving everybody into one house and they're having to play for like 12 18 hours a day it's like professional nfl players don't train that much where do you see that aspect of the esports industry going because it's i mean unhealthy to say the least but how do you see that evolving yeah so and then you know one thing i didn't mention about the company you know three things we focus on on are one internet safety two not in no specific order all three are very important two you know, uh, character life skills building and third is health and wellness and so for mentioning that there's actually more study and going into that because i know back when I was, I could play for, you know, 12, 18 hours a day when I was 14 years old. And so, but, you know, it's actually shifting a lot. And so, you know, and just like how sports, I'm on one time on Shark Tank, I'm talking about what it was pitching, but A-Rod, he was saying, he said, yeah, back when, at first, when he first started playing, like, you know, before games, they'd give them like fried chicken and whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, and then like, you know, a few years into his career, then it changed and they actually started getting like, rice and grilled chicken and you know actually healthier types of food because it was more study that went into you know knowing what you know how you put into your body knowing about your sleep things like that and so i do believe and then there's been you know the main thing about the gaming house which they said that teens that live in game houses you know outperform those that didn't i don't really think it's necessarily gaming house i think it's that they train together now, even with esports, like it can, like, like, oh, you know, video games can be played online, esports can be done online. It can, but it's not the same. It's a whole lot better still to be in person. Like when somebody, you know, tries to do coaching online versus in person, we can do it online, but it goes so much smoother if it happens in person. I know, like, one time, <clears throat> the first day of the um, Fortnite season for Fortnite League that we were playing in, they it snowed and so we were closed that day but i texted all the parents like yeah we'll still be online and there was so many issues of players trying to add each other and get in the game because you know it was all trying to be done online and it's harder when they're younger because not everyone's on discord and you know don't have like all this group messages and stuff like that you can coordinate through and then what was the other thing with that and so you know pretty much oh yeah so back to the whole team houses well another thing is it's just a place to train so like hey because it's more so that they're together so they could come to a, you know a place like a gaming center and actually train there and so that's where i see with esports where you know there's that advantage that they're actually training together and not necessarily in this team house but to the health and wellness point Yes, there is an importance of it, you know, and what COVID taught and something I use as an example, I said, okay, think about it. During COVID, parents are like, oh, they're looking at screens for eight hours a day or whatever. Okay, well, during COVID, you had Zoom meeting at the Zoom meeting. A lot of people didn't go up to go to the bathroom. They, you know, didn't get up at all, even to stretch. They didn't eat anything. They didn't drink water. I was like, you did all those unhealthy things. You know, only difference is they're playing a video game and you were, you know, working. And so it's like, I don't see how it's different, you know, looking at a screen. And so when you put it that way, but the thing is, you know, we have every 45 minutes, you know, get up, walk around. We actually teach, you know, we have different warm-up exercises, you know, for the, the 
uh, um, players, students that come through. We have the cool down stretches as well. You know, injuries are actually a real thing. You know, esports and gaming, you know, carpal tunnels, the main one. And I mean, there have been some horror stories, you know, people getting messed up backs and everything because they've just been sitting down all day. I mean, and plus, not everyone has, you know, a nice luxury gaming chair like this, you know, that's comfortable, good support for your back. And so then they are you know, sitting in uncomfortable chairs, bad posture, and it can really, you know, cause a lot of health issues for people. And another thing about esports too is that now they're starting to have um, a more structured schedule. So it's not just, oh yeah, we're going to start playing at 8 p.m. and go till 4 a.m. No, it's like, you know, they actually get their proper sleep. They, you know, they have like their film study. They have their um, the actual playing time. They they even have scheduled workouts now. They have off days, so all that's structured in, like how it is with professional athletes. And the main thing too is to like that someone has to do is know what works for them. Because you know in sports all the time, different trainers be like, oh, you need this amount of sleep. You need to eat these foods. And I said, well, everybody's body is different, and the person who knows their body the the, the best is themselves. So. They know how much sleep makes them feel good. They know what foods, you know, actually fuel them, get make them most energized. You know, they can tell if something's off, you know, and like they have these metrics and charts and all that. But in all reality, I mean, that's just science. It's not, you know, perfect. And so because of that, it's really about the gamer athletes themselves being able to listen to their body and knowing, you know, how things are and what you know specific they need to do and I, and by incorporating the health and wellness part and this is important for everyone not just you know esports athletes that's what i really see a great part and benefit in it because the thing is so worth to look at a screen for eight to twelve hours a day i mean don't most people i mean and when i do it people are like oh caleb is real diligent but then when somebody does it playing video games they're making you know a career out of it. it's like oh they're just playing games all day so it's like this double standard uh, I can attest to the fact that um, you can get injuries. I actually, a couple of years ago, had to have surgery on my thumb. It's from a controller. That's basically what it is. All right, so we got time for one question, maybe another one. If anybody has it, pop it in here. Uh, so this is from our friend Danny. Uh, a couple of questions. What kind of role do you see user-generated content and the introduction to these lighter weight tool sets like Roblox or Metaverse platforms? playing in game dev and esports education in the future and also what in general do you think indie indie developers need to do or have in place to build esports or educational programs around their games we'll leave that up there because that's a lot of question uh yeah so the first one uh, about role well, user generated content introduction so Really, when when talking about anything Web3 related, blockchain, metaverse, NFTs, is people, well, NFTs are more, so people really don't know what it is they're talking about or what it is they're doing. You know, it's not actually, you know, figured out yet what Web3 exactly is. I mean, I never even heard of Web1 and Web2 until Web3. So I think it's just a fancy title. And it's like this whole IoT, the internet of things. I know even when I was at this conference, they said, yeah, it's overhyped. It's, you know, seem a whole lot cooler than it actually is. And then really, I think it's just advancements in technology. You know, one guy from Red Hat was talking about um, how they were partnering with um, GE and so how your phones are so updated and smart, but the cars haven't kept up. So making the car more compatible, like how it is, how your phone is, like updating for tech. I'm like, okay, I mean, yeah, it's internet of things, but it's like, that's a good, you know, 
advancement that's being made. So as far as the whole Web3 thing, I wouldn't really be too concerned about that, nor the metaverse. I really think that it's going to be where I know Epic investing a lot of money in the metaverse. I believe it's where this, and you talk about creating game content. So the main thing I would say is to have a niche because, you know, there's so many other places out there. You know, we do STEM education. There's other businesses that do STEM education. Some are more focused on like app development. Some are focused on robotics. Others, you know, it may be like 3D printing and, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, what's your niche? What do you do really well? And how do you educate, you know, through that niche that you have. And so our thing is esports. We may convince the kids that they're coming and doing esports, which I mean, somewhat when they play Fortnite during free play time, they are, but you know, doing these different, you know, game creation lessons, that, that, that's not really necessarily 100% esports. It's part of the industry, you know, that goes into creating the games or the broadcasting aspects. And so I'd be really focused on having a niche and making it better because. Is unless if you want to be like one of the, the big dogs like Epic, I'd say leave it up to one of those companies to create the platform and you just put something on the platform. It's like Udemy is a great resource, you know, where people can find educational content. Well, the only thing is like, okay, you have to have a certain niche and a, you know, curriculum that, you know, has is a value. Then you have to be able to market it and you let, you know, you to me take care of all those different details and everything instead of having to build out a half a million dollar, you know, piece of software and trying to work and then having to build the, you know, educational curriculum at, off of that and then having to upkeep everything. So does that answer all the questions? Don't reinvent the wheel. That's, that's basically it. And, and it's, I, I agree. It's not necessarily about going out and creating the newest, greatest thing. I and mean, for, Bluntly, a lot of people don't completely understand what metaverse is. We had a company come to us and said they wanted to license XYZ for the metaverse. And I was like, that's not a place. That's not what that means. And they didn't really grasp it very well. Um, but it is. It's, it's about understanding what the latest trends are, what, what's growing, what's popular, what's going to be useful, and then basically preparing your game for it because that's it's still like the big problem that i have with esports it's like the entire industry is focused on about a half dozen games and they're all from you know huge companies so yeah it's like where are we going to get you know where's an indie team going to really be able to break out and burst through and it, it and it's tough so i think it's more about putting yourself in the right position versus you know what you can do and, and trying to create something from scratch uh caleb we're at our time slot and so i greatly appreciate it. it's awesome to have one somebody local come in and talk about this especially with the success that you've had and the way that you're approaching everything so before we go go ahead and plug plug the academy what you're doing tell people where they can get involved Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the facility I'm in right now, this is in Waverly Place Shopping Center in Cary, North Carolina. And then, you know, if you want to get involved, you know, or if you have your child that wants to actually, you know, learn how to do the type of stuff we've been talking about, great to be able to come here. If you're, you know, a high school or college student looking for an internship or anyone just looking for a job, you know, what some way getting involved in this industry and space, shoot us a message. I mean, one, social media and 
online. It's pretty easy to be able to contact us. We respond to everyone. And then, and overall, we're, we're, you know, looking for, ex we're starting the expansion process going all about. So we're going to be encompassing, you know, the triangle, then North Carolina, and then go national after that. Wow. Well, exactly. It's impressive. Best of luck. Of course, you're always welcome here on the show and, and on the Discord. Answer questions and find new people to work with. Um, quick announcements. So if you're on the newsletter, you got the notification that the submission process for GTR for Global Top Round uh, has been extended to the 9th. It was going to be you know, ending today, but with us and Meet to Match, they've extended it out. So if you're out there and you're looking for investment or publishing for your game, um, absolutely go to Global Top Round and hit that and apply there. Um, make sure that you've got your upcoming pass to our next conference, which is going to be the 21st and 22nd. And the speakers are going to be announced eminently because our wonderful program director, Heather Chandler, has already filled all of them, something that I was never able to do in the last four years leading up to this mm -hmm. until like 24 hours before we went live. Um, so, yes, with that, one, again, thank you to Tripwire Presents for helping us do all of this stuff right now. And then, Dan? Thank you, Caleb. That was amazing. That was some knowledge dropping right there. Like I had some mouth dropping knowledge stuff. I'm like, wow, that a lot of that just makes sense, man. That is that's some deep stuff. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Join our Discord at discord.gg slash indie game business. And if you just look up indie game business, you'll find our Twitter, LinkedIn, social media, link all tree. of that good stuff. We have a yeah. link tree now, yes. So, yeah. Tree. yeah, for sure. And anchor.fm slash indie game business. And we, you know, this podcast is going to be live here pretty soon on all of the podcast platforms that you could possibly think of. So everyone, thank you so much. Have an amazing weekend. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.